0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Mindy Speranza, who experienced going to heaven and receiving advice from God. Mindy, thank you for joining me and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, Mindy, if you don't mind, let's start on the day before your experience and go from there. Okay. The
1: day before my NDE, and I'll explain why I choose that terminology as I go along. I was in a very bad way. I would say extreme depression. I don't even think that covers it. It was uh, defeat, uh, whatever that word is, when you totally give up, whatever. I was done. I didn't want to live anymore. I don't say suicidal because I thought of it and I decided I'll stay around because I was single mom with two kids, but I had a brilliant idea. I'm going to shut down and be numb. And the night before that happened, I had just had enough and, I walked into my bedroom. Now I'll give you a little bit more of this, um, background. I grew up in an institution for child abuse. I married an abusive man. I have been raising the kids alone, three jobs, seven days, seven nights. I had businesses that I lost anything I touched. I lost or it left me or it disintegrated. And since I didn't have really, I didn't grow up with parents. I blamed God because it must be God doing all these bad things to me because I'm trying to do everything right. And so I was really worn out and I had found out some things that I felt were very unfair were happening to people that I felt had taken advantage of me. And I'm like, everything just doesn't make sense. And I know that it's God. I know it hurting me. So I walked into my bedroom and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, I don't know what matters to you, but really God, so-and-so gets the business that I worked my whole life for. So-and-so gets uh, two houses that's not paying child support. You know, I don't want to get too detailed. Those that must be what's important to you. But I don't want a God like that in my life. And I meant it. And really God was all I had because I didn't have parents. I had no family that was involved anyway with me. And now I was going to get rid of him because something's doing it to me. And it can't be me because don't I do everything right? (laughs) That's what I thought. Okay. So The next morning, now I had been working in three or four jobs, I don't even know, and one of them at that time, a hairdresser, one of them, it was in another borough, because I had been living in Staten Island, and it was in Brooklyn. I was kind of new, let's say eight weeks, it was a nursing home, and it had been flooded out in Hurricane Sandy, and it was new owners since then, and I was the first hairdresser that they hired to go twice a week. And eight weeks in, they never paid me because the hairdressing part wasn't really part of the nursing home. And I don't know if the guy was a scammer. It ended up, I eventually got it after about 11 weeks and then I quit. But anyway, um, I woke up the next day I was supposed to go and I thought about it. And I said, you know, I'm going to have to make this a volunteer job in my mind. So I'm not angry. I don't want to leave the older people. I felt Like, I want to be there for them, even to talk to them and be nice and whatever. And I'm going to go. But I know I'm not getting paid. But I had my new feeling of not wanting anything. And I felt a freedom from that. I didn't forget that vow that I made the night before. And so I went to make breakfast. I clicked on the TV. And I heard, we are body, soul, and spirit. And most people have no power in their life because they don't go deep enough to touch spirit where all the power is. And I remember thinking, is that TV talking to me? Because I just told God, my legs are buzzing right now, I have chills. I just told God that I'm done with him. And why is that TV talking to me? My second thought was, oh my God, maybe that's my problem. I didn't even know what it meant. I Maybe I don't go deep enough to reach spirit where all the power is. Maybe that's my problem. Okay. So I said to myself, I'm gonna do that, except I didn't know what that is. I went to work. I could not forget the whole day. It was like Kia. And I even sat down at one point And closed my eyes and said, oh, I can't do this. I'm at work. And by the time I got home and whatever, made dinner clean, whatever it was, was about 10 o'clock at night. And I sat down on the bed. And you know where you go when you pray? You go in. Like right now, me and you are out. We're Conscious, out of, you know, we're paying attention. But when you pray, you go in. I went in. And I pictured pushing myself in deeper. All of a sudden I was out of my body and I rose up through the ceiling into the sky. And my first thought was, is it really up? Everything is up. God, dead people. It's really up because my soul was rising up. Then I, as I left the house, and rose a little higher, I switched dimensions and I felt right away, this is where I'm from. This is my home. As I looked at the stars, I said, I know I'm one of them. And I heard in my mind, he knows every hair on your head, Mindy, and every moment matters. And where it matters is in your soul. And right there from the top of my head down to my toes, it was like a burning away, not painful, and then filled right back up with a pure liquid love. And I was healed. And I knew God did that. And they brought me to a location. When I say they, I had two guides with me in energy form. Not that I could see them. I can feel them. I can hear them. And they were teaching me and giving me a lot of information. So whatever location, I I say landed, but I didn't really land, I was floating and out (laughs) of space. Whatever location, for some reason they stopped, that's where they stopped. Somewhere around the moon, between the moon and the earth area. And all the dense stars, beautiful stars. And they started to teach me and show me images and put things in my mind. And I always keep the book near me only for order, you know, to go in order of sequence. I don't know why, but I feel like whatever they did was maybe on purpose, including the order of sequences. But I'm not going to look it up particularly now. But what I'm going to say is, I saw, now, I might be out of order, but I'll tell you everything because I don't forget anything. At one point, I looked over to the moon, and I remember thinking I could see the surface of the moon. Now, not that I was that close to it. When I put my attention towards it, and I'm saying to the left sort of that's where it was, they brought it up to me, I felt. like They brought it closer, and I could notice it and see it. And another, I don't know why they want me to see it, but, and and everything is alive. It might look dead. Everything is alive. And I was able to feel it. And they showed me three Mindy's, a flesh Mindy, an outline of a Mindy, which I said in the book, like a gingerbread doll. I didn't know just soft edges, but it was energy and wind of a Mindy. They didn't address the flesh. The other one, they said, that is your soul. And I looked at it and I saw a liquid to my ankles. And they said, you are empty to your ankles because even though your actions were good, you were filled with fear and resentment. And God will not attach to fear, resentment, or any negativity. He will only empower the good in, good feelings, strength, and love, and I don't know what words they used, but they led me to believe he will empower the good. And they said, well, I said, what if I go back and do it again? Now that they explained to me that it's from me doing it, uh, I said, how will I know? And they said, you will know by the word. Good words have good energy and bad words have bad energy. And I saw hundreds of words. First I saw a silver strobe light was alive and hundreds bad words on the left, good words on the right. And they, that's when they said, you will know by the word. And they said, your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. And it can't be based on your circumstances. And if they didn't put that hawk at the end, because I had circumstances, that was life-changing for me. Then I looked at the wind of the Mindy, and they said, that is your spirit. It is one with all. Just like the air doesn't change from Brooklyn to Staten Island, One spirit doesn't change from another. And I remember thinking, they said Staten Island. Like it seems so surreal that they would be so familiar in outer space. You know, use my words, my terminology, but it was amazing. I then saw the two people that I was complaining about to God also embody soul and spirit. It was a ex-business partner and my ex-husband. And they said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what they do is to their soul. And I then understood it doesn't end here. And we are responsible, I guess, uh, for infinity. Or I'd rather say we're growing and we have a chance to grow. Infinity. It doesn't stop here. Then I saw three corrugated cardboard boxes, probably about this big, corrugated on the inside. I have no idea what that meaning is. I once saw somebody else write about it on the near-death site many years ago, and I didn't catch it. That was the only time I saw the word corrugated from another person that had an NDE, but I don't know. It's their symbolism for something, I don't know. And I saw them fall by the wayside. And I heard, there is another place. So I took that to mean another dimension, maybe a a lower dimension. Well, it fell downward. So that's how I, so they never say the word hell. And that one point they said to me, you are in the others. And I thought, that's nice. They want me to know where I am. I didn't ask. You know, I only asked, what if I go back and ruin my life? And then they showed me an elderly man in a hospital bed. He was in white boxer shorts with stubble and floating. And they said, when you suffer at the end of your life, there is a purpose. It's not in vain. It's burning away. They didn't say karma, but of certain things from this lifetime. It's a way of burning it away so when you go on the other side, you don't have to redo that work. So you may not be burning everything away, but some to help you on the other side. And they said suffering is not in vain. And there was a point when I knew that I was coming back. I didn't really think much until that point of the earth. I felt great being out of the body. Oh, that was wonderful. There was no body issues, there was no pain. It just was energy, felt right, it felt comfortable, felt like I was home and I was completely healed. And I don't know exactly how long I was there, like 10 minutes or 10 hours. They told me that there is no time and no space. And in fact, it's ever increasing. And I can see it because there was a point that I looked over sort of like, as far as the eye can see, I had an urge to do that and look outward. And that's when they said there is no time and no space. In fact, it's ever increasing. So I understood what they mean by no time. In other words, we're not using it up. You always have enough time. You're always in the middle of time. It's not going anywhere ever. That's the difference. On the earth, we're using up our time. We know there's an end time eventually, and we feel it. It's set up. There's different earth laws, different spiritual laws. So the ones on the earth don't always cross over. Most of them don't. They're not necessary. They're not needed. But a lot of them are here. The spiritual laws, of course but we don't utilize them all in both places. So we don't have time there, but it's on purpose made for here. It's something on the earth. And the next morning I woke up and I was a different person. I remembered every single thing. I think I was in shock. I was changed. I was like a deer in the headlights. What am I doing here? And what was that? And my whole insight, I was healed. And I wanted to honor this by cleaning my thoughts or doing what they said. And I realized I was so toxic that I couldn't string three good thoughts together. I didn't even know what it meant. And I had to start, like, a child over again. And they told me there's good and bad and no in between. And so I had to change my thoughts to anything wasn't bad was good. I had to be that juvenile. So I would say, well, the color purple is not bad. It must be good. A flower is not bad, it must be good. That dresser isn't bad. It mu- This is how I had to start and I realized I'm surrounded by good. <laughs> I never saw that before. And it took me a long time. My goal was to write a hundred words. I started to carry a notebook around just for anything that wasn't bad, it was good. I don't think I ever got up to a hundred but on the way I started to change. And every day my legs are buzzing again. They love when I do this, none of this is about me. They did tell me also on the other side, they showed me two silhouettes of faces facing each other. And I heard in my mind, you know, everything is telepathic, uh, go back and tell others. So that was a direct assignment. And when I do this, I'm honoring them because, It's not fun for me or anything, but it gives me a chance to honor them. And that means a lot. It's more sacred, but it's really not about me. And I know uh, they're always with me still, but I would say a day or two, maybe a day, maybe the next day, I don't remember, very soon. It never ever stopped, first of all. But when I came back, first of all, I would hear a radio, I hear talking, (laughs) very loud, very staticky, but I can't understand the words. This was every time I went near my TV, even though the TV was off, I would say, where is that radio? There was no radio. I was hearing the spirits. And I would watch spiritual shows and I would feel it rise up in me like, I knew it was a healing, but it was painful in a good way, sort of like, I'll do it for you. It's not the most attractive, but I would feel uh, like coming up through me every day and crying. And I would apologize to God for how I felt about him and blamed him. But I knew it was a healing, even though it would overtake me, it was very powerful. And these kind of things, they also um, let me know that forgiveness, you know, that was the other command, forgive them for they know not what they do. So there was a few things, go back and tell others, forgive them, and your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. Now, I have worked so hard on that. That's harder than any of them. I worked on forgiving a lot but your life will go in the direction of your thoughts continues to this day. I never do it enough. I never do it good enough. I still work a lot. My kids are now older than me, but I still pay all the bills and, um, my life's not any easier. Still very hard internally. I'm totally different externally. You know, uh, I'm never the same that I was. I don't have the capacity to get depressed anymore. For some reason, it just won't go there. I'm glad, thank God. So quality of life is internal anyhow. So my quality of life has changed internally, but my road, my assignments on the earth haven't really changed. I didn't get a crystal ball. I didn't get a break. I didn't get anything. I got knowledge which took away the pain, which is everything, really. I mean, that's tremendous. But my life is still an average life of hard work and learning my lessons, remembering, being grateful, the spiritual laws that we talked about, never, ever, ever leave me 24-7 every day. And it's nine years later. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that. And I wrote the book only because they told me to. And they gave me no peace. It took me about two years of them torture, I'm not kidding. I could feel it in my body and hear it to write the book. And they even named it because I wanted to name it, your life will go in the direction of your thoughts and it can't be based on your circumstances because I felt that was the most important thing they said. And it took me a long time. That's a long story. I don't know if we have enough time about writing it. But I kept telling them, you do it if you want it. And so they did. But when I finally did the cover, the proof with the title, because each thing you pay for if you self-publish, I sat on the bed and they said, change the title of the book. And I said, well, I got to change the title of the book. I just finished. I just okayed it. They said, we want the word heaven in it. And I said, I wasn't in heaven. You told me I was in the Evers. And they said, look it up. And I looked it up. I Googled it online. And it said the fifth dimension of heaven. So I said, you win. And I had to change the title, which it's called Visit to Heaven, What I Learned on the Other Side. But it's not my book. So why should it have my title? I really feel that way. So that's my story. Small part of it.
0: Mindy, thank you for sharing your story with us. In the beginning, I said that you were receiving advice from God. Does that mean you were receiving it indirectly through your guides?
1: That day. But I still receive constantly, probably every single day. That day. I felt he sent them on assignment because when I was rising and they said, he, he knows every hair on your head, Mindy. They were talking about God. That's how I feel. And when I was healed, I know God did that. But the rest, I felt his energy hovering over and the two guides were on assignment. That's how I felt. They taught me. On a mission from God.
0: When you hear their voices, are they like your own voice when you think, or are they completely different?
1: No voice. I didn't hear a voice. I just had knowledge put in directly into my brain. But I knew it was coming from them.
0: Kind of like a download?
1: Yes. And you know what's weird? I was, because when you come back, it doesn't stop. If anything, it increases, especially the first few years. And I thought I'd made up the term, download, because I couldn't think of anything that fit. And then I hear everybody say it. I go, oh, I thought I'd made that up. But somebody probably, or everybody, unless they heard other people say it, it feels like a download. That's the only, because when you come back, no words fit. So you try to use them the best you can. But yes, uh, they downloaded it into my brain when I was there. It felt like it was here. But when I get it now, it's not only in my mind. It's through my whole soul. And they would also told me that your soul is your personality. And it is your responsibility to fill your soul. They said negativity will not fill your soul. So you won't have a negative soul, but you'll have an empty soul. Negativity will drain it. Positivity will fill it. And that's our responsibility on the earth. And it's done with thoughts. But that's not easy.
0: (laughs) Did you write your book through automatic writing or did it come to you as a download?
1: What happened was... I did a blog talk because you know when you come back, you are searching. I was searching for anything to connect to that might help this make sense because I didn't know anyone this happened to, I didn't know anything about it. So, and anyway, you led. You don't really have to search. So I found the NDE page, Ned's page. That saved my life. I really feel that way because I was so confused and sort of frightened in a different way and had nothing. It's, it's like you lost your step or your footing on the earth. It's a very strange feeling. And then also somehow I found blog talk radio. And I had called in and I told my story and somebody was typing, do you have a book? And I said, no. And she said, I can help you. And so for about four and a half, five months, I sent her money and it went nowhere. And I realized that finally, I go, she's never writing this book. (laughs) Because she she kept asking the same questions over. And I would say, I just told you that, you know? And I said, "Eh, something's not right. And I said, I'm done with her. I went to work that morning because I didn't care. It wasn't my book. That's how I felt. And... I told you I'm a hairdresser and a Groupon came in. I was in New York working and she was very nice. And we were talking. She told me she was Egyptian and just sweet woman. I would say early fifties and she seemed upset. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm a real estate agent. And I sold my father-in-law's house, but I think the people are going to back out and he's going to be mad at me. And I said, oh, like I felt, what are they going to do to you? Like, so I go, well, did you do your best? She said, yeah. I go, that's all you can do. Don't worry. It's going to work out. I go, you want to know what happened to me? I had a near death and I went on the blog talk and this woman was robbing me because that's my story. Yours is real estate, but mine is mine, you know? So I go, and now I'm not going to write the book. I'm not going to do anything. She said it's my lifelong dream to write a book. I'll do it for you. Hmm. So, you know, because they wanted it, of course. So we met once a week for six months in Barnes and Noble in Starbucks, you know, and I talked and she typed because I'm not capable of writing a book or interested in it. And When it was over, we went upstairs where the books are to see how to publish it. And I told her I'll give her 20% of the proceeds, whatever. I wasn't going to pay her weekly. So um, she said, okay. And after about a month or two of trying to get it published, she said, here's your manuscript. I'm out. It's almost impossible. You need an agent. You know, she was very excited thinking we're in New York. But There was no way to do it. So now I had a manuscript in my house for about a year. (laughs) And a friend of mine, I was on the phone with her and I told her, I go, you know, I have this manuscript. I did it and I don't know how to get it published. I've been looking online, but I can't really work the Internet. And I found this site, CreateSpace. But I don't know what to do with it. I know that they could let you self-publish, but she goes, let me come over. I'll see. She goes, look, there's a phone number. <laughs> so we called the phone number, and they walked us through. And, you know, it took a few months, and that's how the book got done. But I kept saying, you do it. <laughs> I can't do it, and they did.
0: When you first left your body and you were going through the ceiling and going up and up, did you happen to look down and see, like, your house or your body or anything?
1: No. Nope. I was... I, I knew I was rising, I was one with the body, like on the way up, but kind of when I switched dimensions, and I saw the stars, and I said, this is my home, this is, I was totally mesmerized and enmeshed in the whole scenario, the whole situation, I never looked back, because I was going home, like it was bad, I didn't care, you know. And I had no interest. I was interested in the stars, which I felt were my family in a way. Like, I never said, oh, I'm made out of the planets. I knew I was made out of the stars. And that was it. I was gone. No, I didn't look back.
0: Can you elaborate more about how suffering is paying off karma?
1: I only know what they told me and the way it made me feel. They didn't say karma but we're accountable for every moment and more so on the other side sometimes than this side. But uh, there was some type of benefit. I, I Listen, they made the rules. There was some type of benefit to physical suffering at the end of your life. And I have to always say it the way they said it because I have no other knowledge except what they gave me. And it wasn't in vain if someone suffers. And I don't know why they wanted me to know that. You know, that whatever random things they told me or showed me was their choice also. Because I would have liked to see my future, you know, as Queen of England, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Magical. They didn't show me any of that. They showed me you would think a little mundane, you know, that was their agenda. So I can't say any more than whatever they showed me.
0: Do you feel that your experience was an accident or was something that you possibly planned pre-birth in case you get off track to put you back on track?
1: No. I think it was a sympathy near-death experience. I always felt like it was God saying, get this girl up here because she got no clue what's going on. And I feel like it was God's love and he gave me grace in that way. And I don't think I planned it. I don't know. I don't feel that.
0: Are you still in contact with your guides today?
1: Well, <laughs> not as much as I should be. Sometimes I forget that I have that Uh Gift or that they're that close. But I am always in contact with spirit. When I first came back, it felt a a little more direct to those guides. I would pray to those guides. I would feel those particular guides. If I tune in, I can always feel them. Right now, I can feel them. But in my day to day life now, When I think, I think that I'm talking or praying to God. I think the guides are much closer to me and are there to help me, but I forget. I always refer still to God.
0: When you were on the other side, did it feel more real than you and I sitting here talking?
1: thousand percent more. And when I first came back, I knew this was all an illusion. That's much more real and more comfortable. It's ecstasy, your energy. It's just very different feeling, more Mm -hmm. real, much more real.
0: What do you think the purpose is for us coming here
1: to learn for our soul's growth? I don't know why we need to grow our soul, but like I said, there is spiritual laws that we didn't set up and we have no say, we don't have say in these earthly laws either. So we have no say in it, okay? Somebody, God, whatever energy set this up, there is structure to it. And so this is part of it. And I believe that there's many dimensions, I know there is, and different planets and different places and different ways, and it's all for our soul's growth. Why do we have to grow so much? I don't know, because I didn't ask or they didn't offer, so I didn't get that question answered. But I do know that that's what's going on. And that's why I try to take it in stride as my road and honor it and walk it without too much fuss, (laughs) because it's a learning. It's a learning.
0: Has the memory of this faded over time?
1: No, but I do have to think and tap into it, because when I first came back, I went there every night. Now, I didn't allow my soul to go. I would only allow my mind because when it first happened, I didn't cause it. It was innocent. But when I came back, I could feel it It wants to keep leaving. And I was scared. I didn't want to let it go. I don't know why. You know, I wasn't scared the first time. I had no awareness at all. But very often I could feel my soul rising and I would push it back. But my mind, I would go from each step and relive it because it would keep healing me. And so I don't forget it, but I don't go back there. I did that probably a year or two. I don't do that anymore. Once in a while, I'm not going to say never, maybe two or three times a year. I feel the need to do that. But I probably should do it every day because it's renewing me and refreshing my soul. But what happens for me, I can only talk, you um, become earthly again. You're here. And at first, I only wanted to be normal again. And now I miss that earthly, uh, not earthly energy, the etheric energy, so to speak. Uh, that was a magical time. But when it happened, I didn't know how do you integrate that into the earth? It was very difficult. And I wanted everything to change in my life. And just nothing looked the same. I didn't want to live in New York anymore. Not anything bad. It just felt like I had to move. I had to go forward. For what? I don't know. Cause I basically have the same life. I just work and pay bills, but I don't know. I follow spirit. Now I've grown tremendously the past six months for some reason they, you know, again, it's in their hands. I've always been growing, but the past six months they are working on me. Um, they're very close all the time and teaching. I'm getting a lot of downloads, so it never ends. And I'm happy to hand it over to them actually because you know, I'm glad for the assistance and whatever they want to teach me, I'm happy. But I have to be careful because about um, three, four months ago, I did my first zoom and because they were already pushing me again now to get the word out. They want people to know, you know that there's more and they love you and they want the word out. And I had just started to really feel that. Uh, growing and and consuming me again, stronger. And I said to the interviewer, I can feel them wanting me to do more spiritual work, but if they want me to do that, you know, they got to lighten up. I'm very busy at work. Well, my whole business died. (laughs) and crashed. And now I say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. But something's going on. And I hope they'll let me financially survive. They don't care as much, I think, about the earthly stuff. I don't know. But um, it's very strong again. So is there an exact science, a rhyme and a reason? No, I don't feel it.
0: What inspires you about your experience?
1: First of all, it healed me. When I was in therapy, I was in therapy at the time of it. I've been in therapy my whole life because growing up and living in an institution for child abuse and everything I had, all I had is pain. And very often I used to say fear is my only emotion. And as a matter of fact, they told me on the other side, fear is not of God. And that's all I had to hear. Because to me, if it wasn't of God, it was from somewhere else. And I didn't want to involve that. So they taught me that, but that healing, you know, when I talk to people and they say, well, when did you change or when did you, no therapy could have done it. And when I was, I was going to two different therapists, one of them said to me, you're like a bucket with a hole on the bottom and everything I pour into you is going to come out of the bottom. You can't absorb it. You have to go on medication." And I said, oh, you're going to work for your money. And then when I had the NDE, I felt bad for him because I went back and I told him I was in therapy. I never, ever felt to hide this. I never, ever will because I am so grateful and I know what it has done for me and people that have no hope like I didn't. Maybe it could help them. You know, sometimes you can have spiritual growths or awakenings or from listening to these stories or reading these books, it's still helpful. You don't have to actually go there to get the benefits. So I'll never stop talking. I mean, when you come to me for your hair, there's people crying in my chair. I don't care because that's what matters to me. But they'll never, uh, I don't think, stop. I don't think they stopped with anyone, but how do we have the ears to hear and to really probably they were trying to help me a long time. I was 52 when they pulled me up there. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't see it.
0: After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that?
1: Well, the first thing can I suggest, it's not to make money because you don't. Okay. I never did. And I mostly give them away anyway. I'd like them to get the book because I work full time. And what if I can't answer questions, you know, and this will answer a lot and you're never getting them all and you're never understanding them all. It's on uh, Amazon to visit to heaven. But Of course, in my life, if people have questions, I only know what they showed me. I don't know all the answers to the universe. I just know there is one. And that is a lot. So I don't know about reaching out for questions. Not that good with all that.
0: Well, before we finish up, Mindy, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: Every moment matters. And where it matters. Is in your
0: soul. Thank you for that message. And Mindy, thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.